0: So this week, my interview with J.D. Gershbein was absolutely amazing and really breaking down what it was to have a personal brand, be authentic, be yourself, and let your thought leadership out. But let me take you back in time because this really does uh, bother me to some extent. You know, when we are born, people say, oh, that you are a beautiful baby. You are so unique. You are a treasured gift in this world but then from day one, oh, you look like mom. Oh, you look like dad or the grandparents trying to profile you and put you in a box. That's continued as we move into the educational system. We are taught to conform, follow the rules. This is what you need to get an A. And if you get up out of your chair and walk across the room without being told to, you are sent to the principal's office and labeled as disruptive when all we wanted to do was communicate with that person across the room. Fast forward, we go into corporate, and we are also taught how to conform in order to get a particular result. And when we do stand out, express our own opinion, we're labeled as difficult and not fitting in. And so I wonder, so often in our society, we lose our identity, but all it is is just being ourself and our personal brand. We need to show more of that in the world, and I want you to think about this as I read a short poem from my book, The CEO's Compass, Your Guide to Get Back on Track, because really, it's about starting with you and who you are and being the best you can be. So here we are. Look back and learn. Look inside and feel. Look forward and lead. Look up and thank look around and unite, look across and join, look in the mirror and be you. So my conversation with JD is going to be absolutely amazing, but I want you to sit back and think about what does it mean for a personal brand to you? Let's listen.
1: I think branding was a term that was relegated for big companies, behemoths with eight, nine figure advertising budgets. And the concept of branding a person, branding as an individual really wasn't talked about to any extent, especially on LinkedIn. As LinkedIn grew in popularity and more and more people realized that it is a people as product vehicle, more and more people did what they needed to do to stand out, to differentiate themselves, to be in that conversation of emphasizing their value, creating their own playbooks to do things. And that's what kind of turned the tide. I saw this happening in roughly 2010 when LinkedIn had kind of traversed the 100 million mark and more and more people were starting to talk about themselves as brands. Personal branding is a uniquely neural concept. It works at the highest intellectual and emotional centers of the human brain. Whatever our take, our worldview is on the universe
0: If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, my name is Deb Coviello, founder of Illumination Partners, and I am grateful that you are joining me on another episode of the Drop-In CEO podcast. Week after week, I get to speak to amazing leaders and bring their insights and inspiration to you. If you like this episode, please subscribe. Great review, tell others so we can continue to bring you great programming. And today I am honored to share the mic with my amazing guest, J.D. Gershbein. Since 2006, J.D., CEO of Owlish Communications, has been at the forefront of the social media conversation, pioneering a process that emphasizes the ideals of authentic business communication and the value of a strong professional representation in the virtual world. He is one of the world's first independent LinkedIn consultants. He is widely regarded as a thought leader in the area of personal branding, social networking, new media production, and social entrepreneurship. And I could go on and on. He is such an accomplished person, but I'm going to leave the rest of the story to JD. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Deb. So nice to be here. Thank you for having me. So I am so
0: excited. We first met and kudos to the network, the H7 network. We had an opportunity to meet each other and just said, there's something here to my listeners. JD and I think a little differently about what does it mean in terms of leadership, being authentic, our presence in the virtual world, and also personal branding. There's so much in there to unpack. But JD, can you just share a little bit about yourself? Personally, your journey and the work that you're doing now?
1: Sure. And it's interesting when we look in retrospect as to the inflection points in our careers or what changed our trajectories, both in business and in life. I look to my discovery of LinkedIn, which was serendipitous, but I would have come to it anyway. I was doing a lot of networking back in the early 2000s. And Right around the holiday season of 2006, I leaned into a couple of colleagues who were at a networking event and they had LinkedIn on the screen. I didn't know what it was. I asked what anybody would ask in my position. Hey, what are you folks looking at? And they said, oh, it's a social media site called LinkedIn for business. And my exposure to social media at that time was, okay, I wasn't a rock band, so I wasn't on MySpace. I think I just had discovered Facebook right around that time. There was a precursor to Facebook called classmates.com. So I was kind of aware that people were kind of acting on their nostalgia triggers and wanting to reconnect with people in their past. So I got on that. But LinkedIn was different because it was around the business conversation. So long story short, that night, I created my account. First incarnation of my profile was crude and archaic by today's standards, but I took some time on it thinking that this, this was my canvas and I could create a new on it. So I really attached significance to what I was doing and very quickly. In fact, the moment I created my account and it was published, I became a LinkedIn consultant Dad, because I never shut up about it. I was out there talking about LinkedIn. I had come in at around the 20 million user mark. So I was mid-stage early adopter. And from there, just carved out my own opportunity. Just loved it the way that I'm hardwired. It appealed to my intellect and emotions right away. And I thought to myself, self, if I could teach people how to use this effectively, I may just have a livelihood. And fortunately, things worked out the right way. And I do have a livelihood.
0: So that's an amazing journey there. And LinkedIn, again, I have also found is an amazing platform, not just to put your resume out there, but really let the world know who am I as a person. And again, it's not about what did I have for breakfast or hugging my pup or something like that, but really, who am I? How am I different? How can I make an impact on others? It's so much more than what it's evolved or what it where it started and really what it could actually be.
1: The platform gives you an identity in the business universe Mm -hmm. and unlike any other social media platform, which is highly social, highly communal by nature, LinkedIn gives you an opportunity to really build out that personal information reservoir on yourself. It's almost boundless in the way that you can market yourself, market your expression, market yourself toward a desired outcome, whether you're looking to land clients, land a transaction land a new or a better job, LinkedIn gives you the wherewithal to do that. It's unique in the social media world.
0: So I'd love to dig into this a little bit deeper because technically or tactically, anybody can put together a LinkedIn profile. You can pay money, you can pay gurus to do this for you. Mm-hmm. And you can say in a matter of a couple of days, you have a LinkedIn profile. But you also feel really strongly about personal branding. So how do those two come together? Again, we talked about the canvas. There's what you put into LinkedIn, but then how you show up. I'd love for you to explain more of what that is because I too had struggled. What is personal branding? What is presence? What does that really mean? And how can we help leaders change and navigate
1: to that persona? Absolutely. And at the time that I hung out my shingle, As a LinkedIn specialist, there was really no personal brand conversation going on, Deb. I think branding was a term that was relegated for big companies, behemoths with eight, nine-figure advertising budgets. Concept of branding a person, branding as an individual, really wasn't talked about to any extent, especially on LinkedIn. As LinkedIn grew in popularity and more and more people realized that it is a people-as-product type of vehicle, more and more people did what they needed to do to stand out, to differentiate themselves, to be in that conversation of emphasizing their value, creating their own playbooks to do things. And that's what kind of turned the tide. I saw this happening in roughly 2010, when LinkedIn had kind of traversed the 100 million mark, and more and more people were starting to talk about themselves as brands. And personal branding is a uniquely neural concept It works at the highest intellectual and emotional centers of the human brain, and there's no branding within the animal kingdom. It all operates on a whole different level with odors and behaviors and observations. But in our kingdom, and we are in the animal kingdom, of course, it's predicated on what our core values are, what we believe, what we exude, what we project to the world, whether it's as leaders, whether it's as managers, whether it's as consultants, service providers, salespeople, whatever our take, our worldview is on the universe, that's how we move in accordance with personal branding. And much of what we call personal branding is not within our control. We can only parse ourselves out there in a certain way. It's up to the individuals who consume us to make their decisions on us as to how we rate in the universe, if we are worthy of their time and attention personal branding right now is really at the forefront. As we tape this, we're in a global pandemic. We're confined to the virtual world. So building this online presence, this online identity, this marker in the business world is very important for many people. And I view it as a competitive advantage, especially for leaders.
0: There's so many things in here, but I'm going to go to the last thing first that really, really clicked with me. You can put out flat information. I can talk about my values. I want to be trustworthy. I want to be confident. I want to be seen as a creative thinker. Those are three words that I want to project, but... If you can't connect with people and engage the people and then they say, yes, I agree with you, you're a trustworthy, confident, and a creative thinker, or they may come up with their own reason to follow and engage with you. Only then have you created a brand. Only then does
1: it matter. And I think that's the misnomer and you've hit on it. We can only do so much. The decision on us as a brand is not made by us. It's made for us. And these are the people who consume you, who navigate you, who negotiate you, who are looking to learn more about you as a potential vendor or service provider. And you can only do so much. It comes down to your apparel choices. It comes down to the way you speak. It comes down to the way you present and how you treat others. This all ways into branding. And obviously your guiding principles, which I believe manifest through you. So if you're going to put yourself out there as a brand, you're not saying, Hey, I got a brand myself. This is what I'm submitting to the universe. The universe will come back at me with a decision or two, and hopefully a position in what I call the psychic hierarchy. Once we hit the psychic hierarchy of others, we are in their minds, in their hearts, in their viscera, We have an opportunity to create sales moments. We have an opportunity to do something remarkable as collaborators. And that's how business builds through branding.
0: So- being an early adopter of that and figuring it out because I can take advice from you and other people, but ultimately it's your own journey to figure out what that is. But an example of what that is, is that I too, I have a strong presence on LinkedIn. That's my playground, a little bit on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, but really LinkedIn is where I thrive. The magic comes when I put the content out there. I know people are watching, but then when somebody finally says, contact Deb, And we get on the phone and they say, I want to talk to you about one-on-one coaching or consulting. I said, great. So let me tell you about myself. Oh, I already know you. I've been watching your content. You've already built that know, like, and trust for which when you do Mm -hmm. come together, it's such a better conversation. I would love to switch this a little bit because you talked about senior leaders. I have seen both ends of the spectrum. I have seen CEOs of company that put out their content about what they're thinking, the stories, and how they've elevated people. It's amazing content to consume. And Then I see some senior leaders, they simply post what the marketing department tells them to post. What are leaders missing? Why are they not getting that they should be putting their brand and presence out there?
1: Great question. And I'll go back a little bit in time. When I first started speaking to senior leaders, senior executive groups, and I looked out and all I saw was a sea of disapproving scowls from people who thought social media was some kind of fad and it would pass and they they wouldn't need to waste their time or energy with this. And well, we all know that it ain't no fad. And if anything, it's probably just gaining an incredible amount of momentum and will be just with us for generation after generation after generation. It'd be interesting to see where we are in the next several decades on all of this. But the executive temperament was one of resistance in the start. They didn't want to put themselves out there. They were very guarded, very private people. And they certainly weren't going to put anything over the waterline and show people what they were all about. They weren't ready to expose this vulnerable side of their persona. So a lot of things had to happen for leaders to diminish their resistance. And I, I believe they have because of the push for storytelling. So storytelling is many people consider it a designer marketing term, but we've been telling stories since the dawn of communication as human beings. That's the one of the hallmarks of our society is that we know that the brain is hardwired for story. We know that stories make an impact and stories, quite frankly, sell. So now senior executives, especially at the C-level, they know they have to be good stewards of their story. And that is going to require personal brand strategy, because if they're going to be the keeper of this story and parse it out in increments, a lot of the attention is going to come back to them. They have to look the part as leaders. So I would say starting in around 2014, 2015, we started to see more C-level people create accounts on LinkedIn. And even though they may have been run by their admin, or a virtual assistant, we know that at least they had a presence on LinkedIn. It's much different now. We see a lot more leaders and senior executives who have sensed the importance, the urgency to tell their story, and they're doing it through LinkedIn.
0: So we're moving the needle, hopefully, slowly. I don't see too many doing storytelling, but certainly through your work, hopefully we can get more of them to feel it as an asset to share the stories because ultimately business is about relationships. But I want to move this down a level the entrepreneur, the small business owner, the solopreneur, a lot of them show up on my doorstep. They say, go see Deb because they're talented. I solve the XYZ and business problem for this target market. We've been all told, what do you do? Who do you serve? And the problem you solve. Okay. That's a great starting framework. But when I'm listening to them, I'm saying, you're not memorable. I don't know who you are. What do you stand for? What makes you different? So for the solopreneur, small business owner, what would you say to them in terms of get away from that resume and start thinking about the personal branding? Is it the same advice or something a little different? Because I don't know, they're missing an opportunity to really differentiate themselves.
1: Interesting that when I was first writing about LinkedIn and teaching it through my blogs and in my talks. I would say that the first step is to somehow make yourself compelling. If I see one more blog about steps to take to create a perfect LinkedIn profile, I may just hemorrhage at this point. But think of those words for a moment, make yourself compelling, or I'll take it up a notch and say intriguing. The one thing that I've always tried to do, which I believe has been an ally in my own personal brand strategy, and it helped me develop my own framework for working with folks on their brands is that I make myself intriguing. When it's my time to unmute, or if I'm in front of the webcam, I better be so intriguing that people can't help but remember me. Because if I'm forgettable or glossed over, I'm not in the game. I won't be retained. There'll be no motivation to investigate me further. So what I do, Deb, is I systematically, methodically, strategically to a point put myself out there in a way where there's no way they're going to forget me. And that's what I call the undeniable presence of brand. When you know that you've made that kind of impact, you've left an indelible impression on people. And I've been told that I do that. And that's good feedback for me. If you haven't been told that you are remembered or that you're making that kind of impression on people, then it requires you to level up. What are you doing? Are you falling back into the same commoditized, activities that you've always done because let's face it, it's tough to stand out. I hear that from people every day. JD, I want to stand out. JD, help me stand out. Well, that's fine to say, but taking the steps to actually step out is where the rubber meets the road. And there are plenty of people who stop short on that, Deb. And that's why they're not standing out. Is they get to a point where they think, okay, comfort zone, imposter syndrome. Associative disorders, social media, lack of risk tolerance. I mean, there's so many factors to play into why we inhibit ourselves from moving forward on these platforms, but the people who truly stand out have done what they need to do to make themselves compelling.
0: So my head is going to blow up when you talk about narratives and boxes that mm-hmm. media and everybody put people in to, if nothing else, give you, I don't know, an off-ramp and an excuse to not do that inner work to say, what makes me different? When maybe I got that detention or my parents or the neighbors said, Johnny, Susie, stop that. They're being too X. Too talkative. Oh my, I was too talkative. And you know what? I'm podcasting now. That's <laughs> what makes me a little bit different.
1: Hey, what and- if Mrs. Einstein told Albert, now don't you get any bright ideas?
0: <sighs> We'd be in the dark.
1: <laughs> there
0: it's what makes us different and when people are bully us for being different and holding us small, those are exactly those things that, to your point, make us intriguing. I am the drop-in CEO, not a business consultant, the drop-in CEO, and that is what makes me memorable, J.D., and that is exactly why you were memorable to me when we had our first discovery call because you stand out, you think differently, and in the process, you're just trying to elevate people and their impact. So I would love to take this in another direction. You talk about live edutainment. And this is the first time I have heard that phrase, and I think it's quite relevant for our listeners. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that is and what the impact is?
1: Sure. Well, many, many years ago, I live here in the great city of Chicago, Illinois, and trained when it was cool to say you trained back at Second City. So I've always been around the art and science of improvisation specifically improvisational comedy, which is incredibly difficult. (laughs) Obviously, the, the Second City is a name entity. It's permeated the business world. And Second City Works, which is the training arm of Second City, which I'm not affiliated with, they're in at companies. They're in at conferences. They're in at trade shows. They're teaching the art of applied improvisation. And for business, that means how do you use the techniques and strategies of improvisation to have better, more meaningful engagement around business, how you can tighten up what goes on at your company, better employee engagement through improv. And, and I'm around that. I like that. And I was exploring it very deeply prior to the onset of the pandemic and had a proof of concept show where my vision was that I would incorporate educational programming with entertainment hence the term edutainment. And by the way, not my term, Deb. There's a pretty significant treatment on it in Wikipedia, and it's been written about extensively. In fact, it goes back to P.T. Barnum, who was an edutainer. It's just combining the two forms, education and entertainment. And I wanted to drive home what are very sophisticated business concepts in a very light way. I, I wanted to take a lighter side at all of this. I think we as humans take ourselves way too seriously when it comes to, oh, pretty much everything. And I wanted to just kind of take it down a notch or two and really deliver this content on a level that could be understood, consumed with glee, factor in a little bit of business networking for a business audience, and mix variety with the lessons. So I told people, hey, think Saturday Night Live meets Prairie Home Companion meets TED Talks, where I would seamlessly weave between presenting a very mystical concept in business like LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and then having the performance art around me and assembling a cast of very talented performers who could help me. And I ain't no hack, Deb. I know what to do on a stage. And I I understand the principles of improv, most importantly, how to support your scene partner. So everything I do in business is a scene. So I extrapolate that you're my scene partner right here. And Mm -hmm. my goal is, I know I'm a guest on your podcast, but also to bolster you, to support you as you're supporting me. That's what makes a podcast great and listenable.
0: So let's translate this maybe into a practical term, a leader in business. Maybe they're going through a significant change. They want to evolve the culture. They really want to I don't know, project a concept. I don't know, or maybe this is a way to enhance a leadership's impact. What would be an example of a business concept married with the improv? Like how can we then help evolve their communication? Can you just unpack that a little bit for me?
1: The first key is listening. Leaders are great listeners and something that can be worked upon. It's something that is coachable to a certain extent, but listening that kind of almost underrated piece of human communication is an art unto itself and the leaders that we know lead very effectively they listen to their teams to their constituents to themselves so that's the first piece and to be improvisational means to be agile to be nimble it means to be able to seamlessly move across situations and bring the same decision-making capability problem-solving abilities These types of things, great leadership capacity across multiple situations and improv trains the mind to do that. The phrase that is most often used in the second city environment is to be present in the moment and not just for leaders, but for anybody that's looking to achieve a business outcome. We have to be present in the moment, whether it's selling a product or service, whether it's mentoring others, whether it's being mentored by others, or whether it's trying to get a job or keep a job. So I
0: see what you're saying. And I really want to thank you for that, because when I think about this, and I talk about this in the CEO's Compass, your guide to get back on track, my book, I talk about active listening and great leaders need to speak less, listen more, even if you're an up and coming professional, and you just want to get that information out there, it is best maybe to present small amounts of information and gain reaction, because it's contrary to you want to be the smartest person in the room, you're the person that's supposed to have all the answers. But to your point, if there's an issue, you sit, you listen, you take in the information, and then only then with the wisdom of everybody in the room, you reframe, you come forward, and you get clarity. Then pivot. Okay, now that we're all on the same page, boom, boom, boom. What do we need to do to solve this business problem? And you flip to a project manager. You flip to a leader. Do I have that right? That's the improv part?
1: Yes, I would call that improvisational capacity. That is a leader's ability and mindset. Instinctually, his or her ability to just dart from situation to situation. And also, as you say, incorporate what has already been unearthed into a decision or a delegation.
0: So I want to elevate you a little bit. People, again, should get out to your website, JDGershbein.com. There is so much there. So much. I won't stop them. (laughs) (laughs) And it's an amazing place. But you also talk about, okay, podcasting. You've got one and another one in the can. Do you want to tell us a little bit about those two podcasts? Because I want people to check that out. What are they about and what kind of
1: impact do you want to make? Well, thank you kindly. And I'm a big believer in networking with podcasters. So as I support you, I think it's important for anybody that is mobilizing to do a podcast. And boy, there are many right now. There's over 2 million podcasts as we sit here today. I've launched my first one, not officially. It's a soft launch. We're taping shows. It'll be launched in September of 2021. It's called Two Deer in the Headlights. I play one of the deer and my co-host, C.A. Yasser Tornrat out of Dallas, Texas, and I, we take a lighthearted look at human communication, the so-called deer in the headlights moments that we all have. And we just have a little fun. It's not designed to be the typical podcast formula. In fact, there's no formula to it. Which leads me into the second podcast, which will be out before the end of Q4. It's currently in development. I'm lining up guests. It's called Completely Unprepared. JD Gershbein is completely unprepared. Folks, I have improvised my whole life, not just in the past few years. Everything I've done has been off the cuff, on the hoof, on the fly, impromptu, extemporaneous. And sometimes the best results I've ever achieved in business have literally been in the moment. I haven't had time to think or prepare. And I think that a lot of us do go through life unprepared. And we do so much to conceal or camouflage many things. And there's no substitute for expertise. If you're smart, if you're capable, that comes through. But many times we're not. I'm not. Have I faked my way through certain things? You bet your boots I have. I mean, there's nothing scarier than coming into the test unprepared, or you studied the wrong chapters, or I took piano lessons as a kid and I came to my lessons week after week unprepared. Can't get through. You can't BS the piano teacher, right? If you're not prepared, she will see it. So it's a lighter take on the field of human improvisation, human creativity, ingenuity, Serendipity and how we literally conjure our wins in life and business out of nowhere.
0: I am taken aback by that. And I know there is like another whole program around that, but here I am. We talk about people having plans and discipline and accountability towards a certain goal or end means. And at the same time, I do leave a little bit of time and space to play and consider the possibility and experiment, but you're blowing up my world when you say (laughs) everything is by circumstance and chance and being in, the, and I get being in the moment, but how Well, can that's run?
1: just me. That's just me. That doesn't <laughs> work for everybody. Yes. <laughs> Improvisation as a strategy, it's kind of almost like an antithetical statement, but sometimes my business day is dictated by the first email I look at in the morning. I used to be a very regimented guy. I used to write down my goals. I used to look at my goals. I used to block out certain times for this, certain times for that. And one of the things that the pandemic taught me, and I I believe that it's a blessing inside the curse is that, and I'm really, I I don't take myself seriously. I take what I do very seriously, but, but for me, I just, I just kind of go along. I call it the Forrest Gump effect. I'm that feather in the title sequence at the beginning of the film. I just Mm -hmm. seemingly dart from place to place and am able to generate opportunities And I think that's the byproduct of good improvisational skills in business, that they do allow you to generate opportunities that otherwise would have not existed.
0: That is a beautiful
1: concept.
0: And that is exactly what makes you, J.D. Gershbein, intriguing. You have unpacked. Presence, what leaders need to be doing differently, what the LinkedIn profile is really meant to be. Don't take ourselves so seriously. Have a presence, build relationships, and oh my, you have so much more to offer. But as we bring this to a close, for people listening, whether you're a senior leader, an entrepreneur, or even coming up in your career, what are some closing actionable thoughts you can share with them to just make a much stronger impact in the work that they're doing?
1: I would say that for people who have postponed their study of LinkedIn or have neglected it altogether, that now is the time. As mentioned, just to give a historical marker, Deb, we're taping this as we are about to re-enter certain restrictions due to the pandemic. It's going to affect the way that employers keep employees housed. It's going to affect the job market profoundly because many people have discovered the joys of working at home and may not be willing to set foot in an office again. And it's going to revolutionize the way entrepreneurs do business because we've been networking face-to-face, handshake-to-handshake, eye contact, all of that. And and right now, that's in in limited existence right now. So we're going to have to continue to find ways to be inventive in the virtual world. And LinkedIn gives us that lifeline. LinkedIn, in combination with Zoom or web conferencing, is what's keeping us connected right now as, as a culture and we're going to have to continue to exploit the technology. And for people who have put it at arm's length, now's the time to get involved. And I'm happy to have a conversation with anyone wherever they are on their personal brand journey.
0: So, J.D., we're going to include all the ways to contact you in the show notes. I sincerely appreciate your fresh perspective, your ways of thinking differently. I have found my kinfolk (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I'm about busting the status quo and really just elevating people for the best impact and legacy that they can leave. So you've been an amazing guest, and I wish you continued success, J.D.
1: I want to thank you, Deb, and I'll also say to your fine listeners in the community you're building that in getting ready for your podcast, I listened to the episodes that you put out as sample episodes so I could get an idea as to your cadence and your rhythm and your energy and loved what I heard. I think you're doing incredible things for your growing community. I like your style. I like the cut of your jib. And I want to thank you for being prepared coming into our interview.
0: All right. You have an amazing day. Thank you so much, JD.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, The CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership, navigate rapid transformation, and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. If you're feeling off track, The CEO's Compass assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. You can learn more about the CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your
1: goals.